looking at the series as a church in all our communities. Uh, we've been looking at uh, partners in mission, what God commanded us, what God told us that we should be doing. Uh, so for me, even be before I became a church leader, one of the church leaders, I always go back to reflect on messages. Uh, and I normally take notes. Uh, so I went back to some of my notes, even year after praying and uh, even preparing for this message. Uh, I still went back to look at the notes. <laughs> I just discovered that <laughs> there were so many things that were said that I wrote down that were like a fresh revelation to me. That's the word of God. When we read the word of God, it becomes fresh every day. It becomes, it, it, it becomes new. It comes with new inspiration. It comes with new strength. It comes with new power. It comes with new wisdom. There's nobody that can say, I have finished receiving all the revelations in the word of God. So I just want to encourage us also to go back, take note. It's not just taking note, but for you to say, God, <laughs> even if you say these people, I know the leaders are not these people. If you say these people have been talking, talking, talking for six weeks, there must be a sentence that is there for me. What should I do about it? God, I want to engage you. I want, what do you, what is coming out of this? Why have they been speaking and talking about mission? Why is mission so important <clears throat> to us as a church? So, various uh, <clears throat> leaders have brought the message, and I was just looking at the song again this morning. One of the first few things uh, Judith said uh, when she was preaching that was so <laughs> powerful was following Jesus automatically makes us part of his mission. Yes. Right. <laughs> that was that. You cannot say you are a Christian and you don't have any mission. Yes. God doesn't have any body that he has saved who is following Jesus that will say I'm useless. I don't have anything to do. And I'm not part of his mission. As soon as you become a Christian, you are actually entering into mission. <laughs> and in one of the, the messages we, we, we had, we heard that God didn't just sit down one day and said, Oh, I love this church. I just love my body. I just love the church. What, what can they be doing for me? Okay, I will create mission so that they will be doing mission. <laughs> you know, sometimes you just sit, you, you sit at home and you're just saying, what can I do now? Uh, let me plan for a holiday. <laughs> Especially during COVID, when all of us were just at home. 
thank God for some of us that the government allowed us to occasionally go out when we have an emergency. But some people just will find a reason to go out. That, that's not God. Mission, God is, is missioner. Right from the beginning. Even when he created us, he, 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 he had a mission for creating us. I think Richard just, you know, you, you, Richard expanded and gave us an exposition from Genesis, if you remember, to Revelation, telling us the story through the creation and just saying God had always wanted to pour out his love on human beings, on the people he created. That has always been the mission of God. So it wasn't something that God just thought about and said, let me give these people work to do. So I'm not going to give them mission. God in his very nature from the beginning is the God who sends himself. So he's not just saying, I will send you my church. No, he, he sent himself in the person of Jesus Christ. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that he should die for us. There was some, a quotation, I don't think I actually put it there, by Christopher Wright, who is very known, who has written a lot about mission. He said that it is not so much the case that God has a mission for his church in the world as that God has a church for his mission in the world. Mission was not made for the church. The church was made for mission, God's mission. <laughs> Sometimes you, you want to, the church was made for mission. God is missioner, we are missioner. So just to recap what we've said so far, God is missioner. I think there's a slide for that. And therefore, we are missioner. Mission is who we are. When people encounter us, they should encounter mission. These people, they, they've come with the mission of God. I'm seeing people who are missioner. So that is God pouring himself out through us. <laughs> what a privilege that God wants to walk through me, in and through me. That God is in heaven and he wants to cause a change. He wants to exhibit, he wants to manifest his power on earth. And he's saying, I'm going to use Kofu. I'm going to use Mary. I'm going to use uh, Kelvin. His mission is our mission. If somebody says, I really care about for God, or God cares for me, what you are saying is, his purpose, his will, is my will. Every single believer is a missionary. I don't know whether it was you. No, Richard was the one that said that. I was saying... You know, in those days, we used to send missionaries to the Philippines, to Brazil, to Africa. Actually, you're a missionary. Yeah. The day you became a Christian, 
you just became a missionary. But you know, we like to use a posh word, I'm Christ ambassador. It, it just means you're a missionary. <laughs> we are Christ ambassador. Yes, you're a missionary. You have been sent. You cannot be a Christian. You cannot be a follower of Christ. So you know when we were singing, I have decided to follow Jesus. I was saying in my heart, let them know that they are missionaries. <laughs> <clears throat> That's what you are saying. You cannot be a Christian without being sent. So, you know, when you look at King's Church, many of, I know there are some people who are joining us. We've given our life. We've given our focus. We've given our priority to be missionary. That's why you, you don't see us as a Mimi church. Oh, are you in something? Come out, and we are just praying for you. Yes, we will do that. As a church, we care for people. In fact, God told us that this place is going to be a center of healing. But as soon as God heals us, what do we do? We become missionaries. We look after each other. That's true. That's why we have connect groups. How many connect groups leaders are here? Let me embarrass you. Can you stand up, please? Let's, let's, let's see you. Let's see you. So that if you are not in any connect group, just grab any of these people. Yes. They're doing fantastic work. You know, sometimes we are just too big to form a meaningful relationship with one another. But when we are in a smaller group, we can form a deeper relationship with each other, challenge each other, pray for one another, meet our needs. That should be going on. But that should not obscure the church being an apostolic church. So in one of the um, um, uh, messages that we had, I think that was the day when... Uh, Technology decided to fail us. So I just discovered that sometimes all this artificial intelligence, artificial intelligence, sometimes it will fail. That was the day the sun wasn't too clear. <laughs> but we'll find a way of, of putting it on the internet. And, you know, Richard was challenging us. Uh, he was talking about, uh, is it missionary identity, our missionary identity, what are the three things we should be doing that we should be thinking about every time, that we should be focusing on as Christians? One, reading the Bible and noticing the priority of mission. <laughs> Don't just read the Bible and just say, oh, thank you, Lord Jesus. Just bless me. Give me this day my daily bread. But you've forgotten that he says, let your kingdom come. <laughs> In fact, many times, when you say that, we're going to go to that uh, later. What's the second one? Making mission part of our everyday prayer life. And that's what I'm going to focus on today. And the last one, encouraging each other to remember who we are. So my topic today, after 10 minutes of introduction, <laughs> is... Missionary prayer. How do we make mission 
our focus when we pray. So the first Bible passage I want to read is in Thessalonians. I'm going to be reading a few Bible passages, so you have to, you have to come with me. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. <clears throat> as Christians, as children of God, it says rejoice always. Did the Bible say rejoice most of the time? I'm not hearing you. Rejoice when you are happy. Rejoice when things are not going well. Ah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. It appears to me as if there is no circumstance that there should not be something of God bubbling inside our heart. That there is an opportunity for us to do God's work. And it says, pray continually. Pray continually. Why? Because we have a task at hand. Because we have a walk ahead of us. I was listening to, uh, or was I reading something and I, uh, yesterday, that I don't know, was it 40% or 60% of the world population have not heard about Jesus Christ? 60%. It needs to make me to go back on my knees. And then it says, giving thanks, let me read it. Giving thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So I discovered, you know, sometimes you say, I don't know the will of God for my life. I don't know what God wants me to do. This is what God wants you to do. Rejoice always and pray continually. <laughs> you will discover the will of God. To discover the will of God is not, is, not, is not burdensome. The next thing that people will say is, well, I don't know how to pray. I don't know how to pray. Where should I start? What are the seven formulas and seven keys to pray? So the disciples of Jesus came to, to him in Luke chapter 11. And he said, Jesus, teach us how to pray just like uh, the disciples of John the Baptist taught them how to pray. You know what Jesus says? He says in Luke chapter 11, 1 to 2. Are you following me? There's a slide for that. Okay. All right. You know what he said? They said, Lord, teach us to pray just like John taught his disciples. Verse 2. He says, he said to them, when you pray, say. You know what I just discovered? The best way to learn how to pray is just start praying. Open your mouth. That's what he says. Say, say, say something. <laughs> say. So I discovered that as a child of God, all of us can pray. You can say something, can't you? Say. <laughs> Open your mouth. <laughs> so, I want, you know, I... In First John chapter 5, verse 14, don't worry, um, verse 14, 
and 15. First John chapter 5, verse 14 and 15. I know I've heard several times that people say, when you pray, there are three answers from God. Yes, no, maybe. <laughs> Isn't it? How many of you have heard that before? Let me see your hands. Let me just see. You say, yes, uh -huh, yeah. You say, well, when you pray, God will give you a yes, no, maybe. <laughs> I discovered that when you pray, according to this scripture that we are going to read now, God will always say yes. <laughs> if it's on mission, God doesn't say no to mission because that's whom he is. <laughs> God will not say maybe. When God is looking for people to go and preach the gospel. Mm -mm. Instantly, in fact, did I say next, next, next week? Instantly. So, 1 Peter chapter, 1 John chapter 5, verse 14 and 15, please see what it says. It says, this is the confidence we have in approaching God. One, two things. It means even before I get to God. There is this confidence inside me of the answer I'm going to get. That's the kind of person I want to be. That before I even say anything, I know the answer of God. <laughs> I'm just agreeing with him. If, you, if God says I'm his co-laborer, we are his co-workers, I'm his heir, I, I know I have this confidence to approach him. And when I approach him, that if we ask anything, according to his will. <laughs> he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, <laughs> is the answer no? Whatever you ask, we know, <laughs> we know, we are certain that we have what we asked of him. Wow, I love that. I love that. Brothers and sisters, this is like unlimited access to God's power, his grace, his anointing, his, I don't know, his exploits. That when we ask according to his will, and I know the will of God is a missionary God, is the one that is sending me. So how can I now ask him about what he told me to do? And he will not do it. He will not say no. So I, my focus changed 40 years ago. So this became a priority. In fact, 40 years ago, I did uh, a survey. You know the kind of survey I did? I tried to calculate my prayer points. What I was asking God. I discovered that 90% of my prayer points was about me. God bless me. Let me be successful. My biology test, yes. Prove yourself. You said I'm the head and I'm not going to be the tail. You said I'm, I'm wiser than my teachers. You know, I, nothing about God. I will not tell you what I got in my French. <laughs> Sorry, French speakers. <laughs> so so my, my, my focus in life changed. 
And you know what I should tell you, my brothers and sisters? <laughs> Research shows that 85% of what you worry about will not happen. Worrying takes our effort, takes our concentration, takes our energy, drains our power, drains our focus, and it shows that it will not happen. Why don't I concentrate on what I know God is focusing on? Mission. So I now also went to James, James chapter 4. So when I read James chapter 4, verse 3, please see what James chapter 4, verse 3 says. It says, when you ask, <laughs> did you see the other time you were saying, if you ask anything according to my will, it will hear, whatever I will hear. This one says, when you ask, you do not receive. So it's possible for some people to be asking and they don't receive. <laughs> so the word of God is giving a reason. Why? Because you ask. Because you ask with wrong motives. That you may spend what you get on your pleasures. So that's why <laughs> in King's Church... Our priority is not on our pleasures. It's not on wrong motives. There are some other people can be on, okay, but for us, we say we want to focus on what is the will of God. That's our priority, and nothing will obscure that. And it's mission. So I'm talking about today, even if you have not heard anything, I'm saying there's a prayer to pray that God will answer instantly. And that prayer is not on what you will spend on yourself. Sorry, you are quiet on me today. <laughs> Do you want me to stop? No. Okay. Should I carry on? Yes. Brothers and sisters, thank you. <laughs> Brothers and sisters, why don't you change your focus of prayer? Try this this, this prayer according to his will. And I'm going, to I'm going to give us some examples of the kind of prayer we should be praying every day. Let's make it, in fact, it, it got to a point. My wife is here, my children are there in our house. We said we have to be, whenever we are praying every evening, when we pray, we have to pray for others. Even my children, they pray for their colleagues, for their friends, for their classmates. People outside us, it's not about us. Brothers and sisters, if you come to Kings, please know that our focus is not about our pleasure. But God will still bless us. <laughs> you cannot be serving God and God will not bless you. God cannot meet you. God cannot save you and leave you. I don't know whether that's the right word. To, leave you more useless. Is that the right English? <laughs> than he met you. You, you cannot be worse off than, God, than, than when you met God. It's not possible. At least I have, have, have known that. Many of you have known that. You live a meaningful life. You live a purposeful life. You live a kingdom life. 
And you live a life that changes men, that transforms men, a life that you radiate God's power, a life that you radiate God's glory. You, you live a life that you bring God's goodness and his good news of love, of deliverance, of setting the captives free in his power. That's what we are witnesses to, all of us. And go out from here. When you get to your workplace as, as students, when you meet your classmates, have that mindset that that's who you are. Okay, two more Bible passages, James chapter 5. So I want to now dwell on something that I really love. James chapter 5, verse 10 to 16. James chapter 5, verse 10 to 16. I like the way it started. It said, brothers and sisters, it's as if it's shouting on you. No, God doesn't shout on us. But when he needs to make you to, he said, brothers and sisters, all of you who are here, As an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we count as blessings those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's pers perseverance. I've seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. That's our message. Above all, my brothers and sisters, do not swear, not by heaven or by earth or by anything else, all you need to say is a simple yes or no. Otherwise, you will be condemned. Now, let's go to verse 13. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. <laughs> I just love that. Is there any trouble anywhere, in any nation, in any community, in any environment, in any organization? The Bible says, is anyone among you in trouble? The solution is prayer. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? And when I look at that word sick, yes, it could be physical. It could be in the mind. It could be in the soul. It could be in the body. It could be in your organization. It could be with your education. It could be anything. Let them call on the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Wow, I like that. Your prayer is powerful and effective. Why don't you use it? Your prayer is not useless and it's not ineffective. <laughs> What does that mean? It means every time I pray, I will have to see, I, I, I have to see the result as a missionary. When you see the heart of the leaders in the church, honestly, that's our heart. Your prayer is powerful. But make sure it's not on wrong motives. You remember we talked about that? And not on your pleasure. I like the way Amplified <laughs> says it. It says the earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man or woman makes tremendous, tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. It appears to me as if when I go to God to pray, ah, power is being released. Power is made available. 
to break yokes, to break the burdens of men, to break the works of the devil. That is what prayer does. Let me finish with Acts chapter 4 from verse 1 to 35 and I'm going to finish and give us some prayer points. Acts chapter 4. It was uh, a story from Acts chapter 3 when Peter and John they met uh, a man that was lame, a beggar and they healed him and people surrounded them and they saw that as an opportunity to preach the gospel. I like that. That anything that happens in my life is an opportunity to preach the gospel. Every occasion. Do you know that you can make use of any occasion to preach the gospel? So the priests and the captains of the temple from verse 1 and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. That's what I want to be done in my life. That you meet me the missionary. Do you see these people? They were missionaries. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. That's the good news, my friend. They seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. Brothers and sisters, some of us will be harassed, some of us will be persecuted. Don't be afraid of going to jail. We, we don't like that. <laughs> okay? But many who heard the message believed. That's the other thing I discovered. When you preach the good news, when you become missionary, people will believe. You will touch the lives of men. Especially when you spend time to pray for people, you will see the result. The next day, the rulers, the elders, and the teachers of the Lord met in Jerusalem. And as the high priest was there, and so were Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and others of the high priest family, they had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. By what power or what name did you do this? <laughs> I want to be somebody that people will just come and ask, ah, there's something different about you. I can see power. There's something you are losing. And I will just say, it's the power of the Holy Spirit. And I'm doing all these things in the name of Jesus. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and have been asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation. I'm just trying to show you, these people, they made maximum use of the opportunity they were given to preach the gospel. To show the love of God. To show the compassion, the kindness, and the mercy of God. But they have to say it. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. But since they could see 
the man who had been healed, standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. So they ordered them, so they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin and then confer together. What are we going to do with this man? They asked. Everyone living in Jerusalem knows they have performed a notable sign, and we cannot deny it. I'm just praying that one day people will say, What's happening in King's Church? These people, they are missionaries, and they spend their time, their focus. Something is happening. That when you bring the lame here, the lame will walk. It's possible it happened. Did you see? Oh. I'm saying I have to be fast, very fast. So let me go to verse 23. No, verse 21. After further threats, they let them go. They could not decide how to punish them. <laughs> Did you see Jesus? Because all the people were praising God for what had happened. For the man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. That's what I'm, I'm saying. The prayer of a righteous man or woman makes power available. The prayer of a congregation, of a church, makes much more power available. Did I say much more power? Actually, power available. But what that means is that we are all united. We have a focus. We, want, we are holding God's hand to see something happen. So whenever they go on mission, they come back. They don't forget prayer. Hmm. They pray to God. See their prayer points. And that's why I'm looking at this passage. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Prayer points. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus. After they prayed... I just discovered that their work, their missionary work was soaked in prayer. Every time we pray, according to God's will, according to what God has in his heart. See, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaking, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all. <coughs> Brothers and sisters, if we are united in heart, we can see this happen. 
but our focus needs to change. It's not about us. It's not about our pleasure. God, God will meet us. God will bless us. You know, that's not, but that shouldn't obscure our personal, or let me say our daily bread should not obscure the work we have at hand. Did you see even all the pastoral needs were met? But pastoral needs didn't obscure, and it was all of them. It was all of them who were meeting there. It wasn't the pastor. If you read that, and that's why I'm bringing that. It's not that our pastoral needs would not, it will be met. But that does not, it's not, it's not the primary focus. And that must not obscure the work that God has given us. That's why every time you see us here in Kings, we are always making mission at the forefront. And we say we are apostolic church. We are people sent. So what should be the prayer point? And I'm going to finish. There are some things that we could make a regular part of. You could make a regular part of your prayer life. You can take the picture if you like. One, so when you are praying, thank God for the wonder of the gospel. Your own salvation and his love for all people. You know it says rejoice always. Thank God for that. Rejoice in God that you are a child of God. The second one, pray for the people you, uh, pray for the people we live and work with by name. Say, God, I'm praying for my manager. This is, this is his name. This is our name. Lord, make me a witness to her. Lord, Touch her. Let the light of the gospel shine in her heart. And see what God will do. The third one. Always pray for opportunities. Can you see these guys in Acts chapter 4? The opportunity they had, they used it to share the gospel. Pray for opportunities to share the gospel. And boldness and courage to take up those opportunities. Sometimes you only need to tell them what God has done in your life. And the last one, praying that we will be a mission-shaped church. We are, as leaders, and I'm, I'm, I'm diverging our secret. This has always been our focus. This has always been our aim. So if you want to know what does King's Church stands for, this is our prayer. And everything we are doing up here is that we will be a mission-shaped church. That God will help us, all of us, to make the gospel of his kingdom. The most important thing about us. So let's be a praying church. We can do it, church. Let's go for it. We're going to see God's power and grace released upon us. And we are going to affect people in our community in your workplace, in your neighborhood. Believe it. Receive it because there shall be a performance of those things God has spoken to us.